This platform concept helps you be more efficient by reusing blocks and leveraging your investment. You know, when you mix that scalability of, of, of Xilinx SOCs into this platforming concept, you know, you have what a lot of our customers would, would feel is a, is a winning combination. Welcome to We Talk IoT, a regular series of podcasts from the editors of Smart Industry, the IoT business magazine. This podcast is brought to you by Avnet Silica in cooperation with Microsoft. Hi, I'm Tim Cole, the editor-in-chief of Smart Industry, the IoT business magazine. FPGAs, or Field Programmable Gate Arrays, are semiconductor chips that can be reconfigured by the designer based on their needs and updated a virtually infinite number of times. The rapid adoption of adaptive SOCs, which are FPGAs paired with processors and peripherals, enable both sequential and parallel processing based on what fits best for a specific application. This ambidextrous capability and something called FPGA DNA ultimately mean they are faster and more adaptable than traditional CPUs running on software in only sequential fashion. No wonder PGAs are so popular nowadays. Joining us is Chetan Kona, Director, Industrial Vision, Healthcare and Sciences at Xilinx, the company that literally invented the FPGA and which is set to be acquired later this year by the microprocessor giant AMD for the staggering sum of $35 billion. Chetan, I bet the last few months have been an exciting time to work for Xilinx. Yeah, Tim. I mean, that was one heck of an introduction. And what's made Xilinx so exciting to work at recently is we've doubled down on our products geared for my market, you know, the industrial vision and healthcare and sciences market. And if you haven't noticed, we've announced probably about five years worth of products for industrial and healthcare IoT edge applications in the past few months. Uh -huh. So you already have your work cut out for you for the next five years. Yes, absolutely. We uh, announced our cost-optimized portfolio uh, in the month of March. So we announced our cost-optimized portfolio at 16 nanometer, our Arctic UltraScale Plus and our extensions to our Zinc UltraScale Plus devices in March of this year. In April of this year, we introduced our CREA system on modules. And then in June of this year, we announced our Versal AI Edge products. For people who don't really know what FPGAs are, could you tell them what role they play in the development of IoT systems? Sure, Tim. Like you alluded to in the intro, adaptive SOCs like our Zinc and Zinc UltraScale Plus and, and now our Versal AI Edge devices are amazingly popular in industrial and healthcare IoT systems. These devices offer processing right at the IoT edge, right at that analog digital boundary, and enable scalability from low to mid to high-end systems, but do so by also enabling preservation of software running on a consistent ARM processing subsystem, but with customized acceleration blocks for a variety of applications ranging from things like electric drives to patient monitors to security cameras, all with the same device. We call this platform design, and platforms are critical in industrial and healthcare IoT design. In the intro, I used a term that I caught up somewhere, FPGA DNA. What exactly do you mean by that? Well, what I think we were, or when we say FPGA DNA, what we kind of refer to is the fact that even though we have 
system on chips like uh, you know the aforementioned Zinc, Zinc Ultra Scale Plus, and Versal AI Edge. What separates them from traditional system on chips that you might find, you know, through other semiconductor manufacturers is that they have a lot of the same processor subsystems with the same peripherals and the same speeds and, and capabilities. But what we offer in addition to all those sort of status quo features is we also offer FPGA fabric uh, to go along with it. So essentially uh, what we've seen in a lot of industrial systems over the years is you've often seen a processor sitting next to an FPGA. Now you essentially are getting both you know, functions of both devices in one because we've brought the FPGA and the processor together under one hood. You mentioned platforms. Why are they critical in situations like this? Sure. So Xilinx has identified a few key pieces that are used in virtually all Um, industrial and healthcare IoT systems, things like functional safety, cybersecurity, connectivity, control, vision, mixed criticality, embedded software, and edge AI. And, And again, these are pieces that almost all or most new industrial and healthcare IoT designs incorporate into their products. And if you had to start from scratch every time, you might have a product out by the end of the decade. You know, Good luck to you. But this, this platform concept helps you be more efficient by reusing blocks and leveraging your investment. You know, When you mix that scalability of, of, of Xilinx SOCs in, with this platforming concept, you, know, you have what a lot of our customers would, would feel is a, is a winning combination. The semiconductor world is moving quickly towards miniaturization, lower power, lightweight, entirely wireless. What can Xilinx contribute to this process? So, so you're right, Tim. I mean, no one out there is selling products that are you know, bigger, slower, require more power, right? The, the world is naturally moving in all as- aspects of life to smaller, wireless, and, and as you say, you know, you know, battery powered. So there are some longer term things that we can talk about, but in the short term, there is this concept of compute density that we're really focused on. As more and more processing is moving to the extreme edge, again, as I mentioned, that analog digital boundary where the real world first intersects digital processing, compute density becomes a bigger deal. And that's something that we've tapped into with info packaging in the cost optimized uh, portfolio extensions that we just announced back in March. Tell us something about Info, integrated fan out. What is it and why should customers be interested? Sure. So I would not recommend the listeners try this at home, but if you were to crack, crack open your mobile phone and you know maybe you have one with the fruit logo on it, you'll see examples of info packaging in, in action. But um, our fab, TSMC, has licensed this technology to us and we're the first to bring it to more industrial applications. Info packaging, um, as you mentioned, the integrated fan out, eliminates the substrate that acts as the interconnect between the die and the balls that connect up to the printed circuit board. Uh, what this means is that you're getting you know, the most compute density per square millimeter of any embedded processor on the planet without reducing I.O. count. You know, typically speaking, you're going to see 60% smaller size, 70% lower height with zero I.O.'s loss. Sometimes people will advertise very small packages, but they'll say, oh, you might have you know, six IO actually available to use. We, we, we don't make you have that trade-off at all. And so having that kind of computational horsepower in something smaller than the size of your fingernail is an absolute game changer for many industries. You know, that sounds kind of like the end of the road for chip miniaturization. How can you get smaller? Well, this is independent from the natural um, scaling that takes place, right? So, you know, just like, you know, semiconductor manufacturing over time, even though Moore's law has slowed down, it doesn't mean that, you know, there isn't shrinking geometries that are taking place. 
uh, right now, you know, our 16 nanometer products are probably, you know, mainstream for, um, you know, many applications we've announced are, you know, versal products, which many of those are entering into full ramp production at seven nanometers. And, you know, things will continue to move down smaller and smaller. So info packaging matches the size of the die. But, you know, if the die shrinks even further, the info packaging will shrink along with it. What was the idea behind defining your own system on module strategy? Is it the same as system on a chip? Sure. So system on modules integrate SOCs. So the Crea system on module has a Zinc Ultrascale Plus SOC on it. And as well as the as for the thinking behind it, the idea was pretty simple for us. You know, we wanted to deliver Xilinx benefits without FPGA design. However, I think you can appreciate the easier you make something for the customer, then the challenge just shifts to the product designer. But we made it happen thanks to my brilliant colleagues. And so what we now have is we have a world-class Crea Vision AI starter kit platform that delivers the benefits of FPGA-based hardware acceleration by having an app store worth of designs that can be dropped into the credit card size system on module and customized purely with software. What's your ecosystem offering? Sure. So our ecosystem is so critical to the Crea solution and really everything we do at Xilinx because we are so adaptable. We need someone to give us a function or purpose. Because customers don't want to reinvent the wheel, our ecosystem has a wide offering of IP cores, or in the case of Creasoms, an app store. And you can't fill up an app store by yourself. You want to enable an army to bring value to the customer using your technology as a sort of a, a substrate. And that ecosystem extends beyond IP into services, boards, distribution, and so on and so forth. You were personally involved in the Xilinx solution approach. What is your primary focus and what are your core vertical markets? Sure. At, at Xilinx, we have eight markets that we're really focused on. Uh, wired and wireless communication, uh, data center, automotive, aerospace and defense, test and measurement, audio-video broadcast, consumer electronics, and then my market, which is industrial vision, healthcare, and sciences. And my market makes up almost 40% of the total number of customers Xilinx has out there. You are partnering with Avnet Silica. Full disclosure, Avnet Silica is the sponsor of this podcast. What is their role in your go-to-market process? So like we touched on when you asked about the ecosystem, we're fortunate to have partners, and in this case, Avnet Silica, as a close cooperative partner that we can together generate clear value for customers on a daily basis. And they do it all, distribution and financial services, support and upfront architectural advisement for our customers, design services from the chip to the board to connectivity to the cloud. They do training and events that draw a lot of people, whether in person or, or these days, especially online. But most importantly for us, I mean, they're a trusted partner that our customers think of first and can count on even in uncertain time in uncertain times. And I would say they are the key player in in my business go-to-market process for, for Europe. Yes. Thanks, Chetan Kona, for joining us here and talking about important subjects like FPGA. And uh, hope to see you then soon in maybe another podcast. Who knows? It's been my pleasure, Tim. Thanks for having me on today. We Talk IoT, the Smart Industry Podcast, is sponsored by Microsoft. Microsoft Azure IoT Hub. Highly secure and reliable communication between your IoT application and the devices it manages. Azure IoT Hub provides a cloud-hosted solution backend to virtually connect any device. Extend your solution 
from the cloud to the edge with per-device authentication, built-in device management, and scaled provisioning. IoT solution based on Microsoft IoT Hub, then Avnet IoT Connect is your perfect choice. A standardized way to harness IoT so your business can quickly build smart apps and solutions based on the Azure platform. There's a revolution going on in manufacturing. Artificial intelligence and robot process automation are radically changing the way we make things. Google's CEO Sundar Pichai says that AI will play a greater role for humanity than the taming of fire or electricity. Razor Lab, a startup based in Tel Aviv and founded in 2016, has set itself the goal of becoming a global leader in the critical field of neural networks and deep reinforcement learning, essentially to create the factory of the future. Its flagship product, DataMind AI, virtualizes manufacturing processes and transforms heavy industrial machinery into smart machines. Joining us here today is the founder, Raz Rodetti, a serial entrepreneur. Raz, I understand you just led Razor Labs through an IPO, which raised $35 million and gives you a lot of wiggle room to grow, right? Yes. So first of all, thank you, Tim, uh, for having me uh, here today uh, and, the, and for the opportunity to introduce uh, Razor Labs to your listeners. Regularly, startups first raise money and then bring the clients and the revenues. Uh, we are really proud uh, of our unique journey during the last four years, doing it totally bootstrapping without raising any money until this last uh, really exciting moment of IPO. So yes, it's correct. We IPO'd on the Israeli uh, stock exchange market at a valuation of $150 million at last uh, February. Congratulations. Raz, I read somewhere that DataMind AI is, quote, the solution that manufacturers didn't know they needed, yet can't do without. Would you explain? Yes. So I think the best way to explain it is, is by sharing a true story, a true example uh, from one of our clients. So two years ago, I met with the CEO of one of the largest mining companies in the world. And I explained to him how with our artificial intelligence, uh, it can detect mis-operational, uh, an operation that, that was uh, not good, that worth for him $10 million annually loss. So specifically, our artificial intelligence de detected one of his, of his big, bigger uh, machines, the reclaimer. It's a huge machine that craft iron ore in a really large scale. We detect that this massive machine is configured that uh, its configuration is, is not optimal because is turning the machine two degrees, two unnecessary degrees uh, to each side. And because of that, he lost 10 hours yearly by doing nothing, just uh, using the machine without craft any iron ore. And it's worth each one hour of, of uh, this machine working efficiently worth $1 million uh, of net profit. And because he is losing 10 years yearly, so he, he just causing a lot of unnecessary pollution 
for these 10 hours. And of course, he's losing a lot of money. So this is the, the best example to give to, to explain why it's so important to add AI capabilities to a machine. And he was really surprised by this example. And because of that, we are, you can you, you take the quote of myself that it, they need, the manufacturers need the AI, but they don't, don't know that they need uh, this capability. Well, sounds like you made yourself a satisfied customer. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. He is the best client until now. Yeah. The Industrial Revolution of the 19th century marked the transition from human to machine labor. Since then, a lot has changed, and now some people are even talking about Industry 5.0. That really sounds like a revolution, doesn't it? Yeah, so to be honest, uh, I don't think we, are, we have gotten yet to the right point to discuss the, the fifth revol uh, Industrial Revolution. We are still in the midst of the fourth one, but there are a lot of excite, exciting new things that we can achieve in the fourth revolution. The, the fourth industrial revolution is, is a topic for discussion in the last decade, but there were a lot of barriers that prevent us from getting the, from getting real in industry for in the men of, in the, in the factories. The main, one of the, the biggest barrier is the lack of data. Until 10 years ago, five years ago, most of the machines weren't equip equipped with uh, uh, sensors that can collect data. And because of that, technologies like AI cannot be uh, relevant because the, the most important thing for an AI model, artificial model to work, is to have enough data. And right now, because most of the biggest factories are already adds uh, sensors to their existing machines, they have oceans of data, and right now they are just asking them, themselves how they can transform these oceans of data to actionable insights. And this is the point that we are bringing our DataMind AI product and our unique neural networks that know how to learn all these massive data, terabytes on terabytes of data, and to, to transform it into actionable insights. Let me understand 100%. You are actually in the business of transforming dumb old machines, legacy systems, into smart new machines. Correct. Yeah. So basically, we are not... There is two phases. There are two phases to this process of transforming regular machines to smart machines. The first phase is to add to the, to the machines the IoT sensor that can collect the data. And in this phase, we are not relevant. We are just know how to advise uh, the clients which kind of sensors and why it's so important. In the second phase, and this is the most important phase, we are taking the data that the sensors collect and train a really unique type of neural network that know how to analyze mechanical data over time. We know how to train this unique neural network to the relevant machine. And when we have machine, the relevant AI model, and we connect the machines in real time to the relevant AI model, we can bring in real time insights that basically transform the machine to be a smart one. One of the things that manufacturers are very excited about, but often don't know how to actually do, is predictive maintenance. 
identifying hidden patterns in data so as to predict malfunctions before they happen. How important is that? So this is really important. It sounds like something really in the gray area to predict malfunctions, but it's important to understand that malfunctions, when they are are occurring, it's not just the shutdown of, of this specific machine. A factory is more like a process. It's a process. A lot of machines and people that are working together in order to bring the end product. And if you have a small malfunction in one of this, uh, in one of the machine, all of the process is in a problem because when one of the machines stops, the next machine cannot do anything, cannot do nothing, and all of and it's ruining the the process. And because of that, to predict malfunction, not just hours before the malfunction, but a weeks or maybe a months. It's worth a lot to the factories. Sounds like uh, staring into a crystal ball to me. Yeah, correct. It's like to predict the future. What other areas do you believe that predictive will be an important advance? So this is a good question. Our next milestone internally in our labs is not just to predict malfunction, but also to predict when uh, the way you operate the machine right now is not bringing the full value, the full potential of the machine. For example, what I just described about the reclaimer, the mining big machine, the problem there was not about malfunction, but about how to operate the machine. So not only to know when malfunction will occur, but also to give real-time insights to the operator in real time that he is not the configuration of the machine is not the best and you can change it in order to bring more throughput. And then the last point I want to, to mention is that the next big thing of AI and the one we are also working in our labs is not just to create the best AI model that's relevant to mechanical data for the machines that we are working to make better, but also to create the ability to the AI to always evolve. We call it here internally in Razorlabs, evolving AI. How we can train the AI to always train himself to get the inputs from the people, the feedback from the people that are in the uh, production floor and to always adapt to the dynamic environment and to be better from day to day. So the computer is teaching itself to be better. Correct. This is the technology. It's really cutting edge and we didn't sell, solve it yet, but we have several POCs that are uh, really look uh, promising. Completely different question. DataMind AI operates on the SaaS model, service as a software as a service, in the cloud. At least where I live, some people in industry are still rather wary about transferring their data to the cloud. Are their worries justified? It's not. We have hurdles with clients to move them to the cloud, to ask them to, to use our cloud services. And it's indeed a, a problem, even though as we are going to a bigger and bigger organizations, we can see a better approach regards with the cloud because people understand that the compute power you have in the cloud uh, you cannot uh, create such a compute power in in-house in your uh, on-premises uh, computers so it's indeed an hurdle uh, a barrier 
but we are mainly focused on uh, explaining the value, explaining the security we add to our services and to our, our Razorlabs cloud. And it's a part of our education process to the market. As I understand it, large companies are generally more cloud affinite than smaller ones. What are your target group? Do you address more large or small companies? Uh, so we are addressing uh, big, big companies because the smaller, the smaller companies are not ready yet to use our technology because lack of data, mainly lack of data, because they have really old machines and they didn't add to the machine, uh, to the machine, to their machines, the relevant IoT sensors in order to collect the relevant data. And because of that, our uh, targets is tier one manufacturers. Okay, a final question. Will artificial intelligence ever fully replace human intelligence? And if so, how long before that happens and we can all go home? So, Tim, I believe that AI should not and could not replace people. The creativity we have as a human beings uh, cannot be replaced by AI. But I think that AI can make us work less and uh, have more time to ourselves and to our families because we can earn the same value with less time and power. And this, this is our, we aim for, uh, to, to give this to the world in our section, in the manufacturer section. So there's no replacement for an intelligent human. That sounds very, very reassuring. Thank you very much, Raz Roditi from Razor Labs uh, for your time and your insight. Thank you, Tim. And now, one more thing. The five-star Lowry Hotel in Manchester has chosen the Linen Group to install an IoT system to manage its available inventory of bedsheets, towels, and other laundered assets automatically. With reading tags installed on every linen item the hotel uses, the Lorry can access data in the cloud-based software about linen stocks on-site and can then place orders as needed. Hotel manager Adrian Ellis believes technology will save labor and ultimately make the hotel team more productive. They will spend fewer hours counting, he explains, and more hours servicing rooms and serving our clientele. As hotels reopen around the world after a lengthy pandemic-driven shutdown, they are challenged with managing the status of linens that are often little used for more than a year. The hotels need to ensure the linens are available, serviced, and returned to linen closets promptly without the distraction of manual counting. The Lorry Hotel is leveraging data provided by passive UHF RFID tags to keep track of its laundry assets. A five-star business named after the famous British artist L.S. Lorry, the hotel caters to a clientele that includes actors and sports figures, it contains 165 rooms and has been in operation for 20 years. The hotel's long-term plan is to provide real-time data from its linen closets regarding which items require reordering. Initially, however, it says it will benefit from the data that TLG collects at its laundering facilities to ensure the necessary clean linens are always available for returning guests. It should be very beneficial for our housekeeping, Ellis says. 
Previous to all this, it was very manual. We counted the sheets and counted the linens, so it was very unproductive and time-consuming. That was We Talk IoT, the Smart Industry Podcast. You can read all the latest from Smart Industry, the IoT Business Magazine, by visiting our website at www.smart-industry.net, where you'll find hundreds of feature articles about everything from smart manufacturing and cognitive computing to autonomous driving and how IoT and AI are making business smarter. There, you can sign up to receive our newsletter, Smart Industry Updates. I'm Tim Cole. See you back next month when, once again, we talk IoT.